Welcome back to Backward Point. My name is Nazar Sayed, and today we have hosted an emergency pod about the second ODI against Pakistan and Afghanistan, where Nasim Shah once again has obliterated Afghanistan from the contest. Lots to talk about, lots of man catting to talk about, lots of innings, lots of scores to talk about. Stuff to talk about is also related to the Pakistan batting collapse. Um, you know, middle, middle order is in fashion or not. Lots to discuss. Stick around with me as always, my co-host. Bashar. And we're about to go and get into it, bro. Let's get into it. Um, Firstly, before we start anything, can you tell us whose Valima you're coming from? Not mine. Not mine. Oh, okay, I'm okay, okay. still on the market. Um, this yeah, is, just, there is uh, no Mrs. Backward Point? Not yet. Not yet. So this is, like you mentioned, emergency podcast. Uh, I just came back from a wedding and um, it was great. Great, uh, great atmosphere. I feel like I got recognized by a couple of people. Did you really? Not really, but I felt like a couple of stares, you know. I mean, it's okay to feed your ego like that. I think, yeah, it's like, I think we do that I feel a lot. like they recognized me, but they, just, they weren't ready to talk to me. Are you for real? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Backward okay. point is a Let's get into the match. Uh, crazy match. Like, we don't all often come here and sit and, and do an emergency podcast. We were, I think, initially planning on just doing, like, a series recap. Just because the games are back-to-back. Like, it's just a one-day gap, and then the next game comes. Um, but I just think this game was so incredible that we need to sit down and sort of just display our emotions, our, our reactions, our thoughts on what happened in the match. Um, after the last game, I think we were all kind of scared after Pakistan the first innings, like 200 and something, not really a good total. But then Harish shows up, obliter- obliterates the Afghanistan batting, um, and they don't even outscore Imam Haq. Like Imam Haq had That's 61 crazy. runs and they made 59. So I was expecting the same thing this match. I'm like, okay, Afghanistan's batting is probably going to flop. They win the toss. Turns out they turn up like they the real Afghanistan team which has a real potential and firepower turn up they score 300 and credits to Rahman Gurbaz he scores 151 off 150 balls uh has an insane partnership with uh, Ibrahim the other opener uh, I think they went on to score 227 which is the second highest opening score against Pakistan in ODI history yeah, so that just tells you how good an opening stand. Lots of lots of records are broken on the Afghanistan side. I think it was the highest opening stand for an Afghanistani opening pair as well. One fifty one, one of the highest scores at, at for an Afghanistani opener as well. Um, I don't know if you're supposed to say Afghanistani or Afghani. I, you know what? Office reference. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm actually genuinely curious. So if it's Afghani, then it's Afghani. If it's Afghanistani, then it's Afghanistani. I, I apologize immediately for that. Um, but yeah, it was it was just a roller coaster of emotions. I actually followed the entire second innings from ball to ball. Um, I was up in my bed. I was watching it on. Uh, I won't say the link's name, but it was it wasn't legal. <laughs> but I was checking it out, and um, you know, Fakhar looked a little bit. I mean, if, how do you want to break this episode down? Because I'm all over the place. Do you want to go? I wanted to go like step by step of Wanathan's innings, Pakistan's innings, and then slowly building up towards the actual the moment that we're here for. Sure. Um. So let me, let me start this with this. Sure. Are you scared of the way that Afghanistan batted against Pakistan's high-tech bowling, the same bowling that they couldn't even score, you know, a century off of last game? They sort of went havoc on. Is there a sign to worry about if you're Babar Azam or if it's just part of the game? So, you know, if Haris Rove takes five wickets in every single match, he will probably surpass Wasim Akram and Bukhari Yunus's records combined. But it's cricket. It's not your day every single day. Secondly, cricket is very dependent on the conditions, you know, the time of day you're playing, the pitch you're playing on. So this time, Afghanistan was batting in the daytime. Um, and I think the ball comes onto the bat a lot easier in the first half of the innings. Um, we saw the first ODI, you know, Pakistan was doing fairly okay in the first the first half. I think they just misplayed uh, some spinning uh, overs from Majib. They weren't able to defend properly. Babur, Osama Amir, Rizwan, Bold, LBW. That shows that you're having some struggles against playing spin. So uh, this time around, I think uh, the Afghan bat- batsmen, they, they batted pretty smartly. They, they took the Pakistani bowlers on. They were prepared for handling the short stuff, for sweeping the spinners. Um, and you could clearly see that it's a lot easier batting in the first half. So I, I wouldn't be too concerned if I'm Babur Azam. Um, but there are a few concerns on the playing eleven. 
um, if you want to talk about it. I, I, just, I just don't think that Osama Mir and Shatab Khan should be playing in the same team. They're both leg spinners. You're always looking for some variety in your bowling. And the last time that Pakistan played two leg spinners in a big event was the, the 2015 World Cup. In the versus Pakistan match, Yasir Shah and Shahid Afridi were playing together. And Virat Kohli smashed an unbelievable hundred. Um, it's not unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's believable, but at the same time, you're like, bro, why would you play two luck spinners against an Indian team that is amazing against spin? Um, so bad call there. And I think same thing here. Like you, you need to have Mohammed Nawaz here. I feel like Babar Azam is trying to experiment with this series by giving say. Osama Mir chances because he's actually he's bowling <laughs> ahead of Shadab, which is kind of weird. Um. And today he even batted ahead of him, which we'll talk about. But just to playing eleven, I don't think Osama Mir fits in right now. He is a backup leg spinner for Shadab Khan, and our main spinner needs to be Nawaz because he also provides a lot more depth and and variation in our batting. I also think there was a lot more resistance from the Afghanistan Afghani batsmen batsmen today. Um, I saw a highlight where Hadis went for four fours on the trot. Uh, I think Gulbaz hit him for four fours. I mean, like. This is the same bowler who had 5 for 18 like three days ago, right? So there's definitely a mindset change when it comes to uh, the Afghani batsman, which is great to see because you don't want it to be a dead rubber one-sided match like it was the first time, even though we enjoyed it thoroughly as Pakistani fans, as fans of good, extreme, aggressive, fast bowling. At the end of the day, it was very one-sided. So like, you know, the game ends like three hours before it's supposed to. It's not fun. Um, speaking of Osama, of Osama Mir, just a little bit, I don't even know if he is a proper backup for Shadab. I know I've seen his records. I know he's he's done well. He was really good at the hundred as well, and he was really good in in the in the um, what's it called? The vitality blast. The vitality blast. Thank you very much. In in England recently, he was really good there. I just don't know if it's translating over because these are turning and track turning p- pitches, but it's not. They're not doing anything for him. Like even in the first game, he got hit for eighteen off three. And he, today, he took a couple of wickets, but at what expense? He was getting thrashed here and there. Um, some people were saying it was sort of, you could tell in the beginning that the ball wasn't doing much for the fastballer. So that was, uh, Bobbert sort of took his time to bring in the spinners, which was like 11th or 12th over. But I really don't dock Bobber on that because if you have three quality fastballers, any one of them can give you wickets, right? So he's trying to experiment that way. Um, I don't know. Osama Mir and the squad seems fine. I genuinely think that his inclusion in, in the in the eleven is just a is just a tactical thing, getting him game hours and all that. because um, you know it has to be Navas. It has to be Navas. I have a hot take. Uh this is way too late to even consider this now, but I feel like Abrar Ahmed would have been a lot better choice ahead of Osama Mir. I, I know Osama Mir, he's sort of like a second best leg spinner in Pakistan, which shows that Shadab really has no competition. What right? about Osman Gadir? I was going to say Usman Ghadir is not up there. Zahid Mahmood was tried and tested, failed. Usman Ghadir does not have the consistency. Usama Mir. Usman Ghadir, in defense of Usman Ghadir, for 20 bowls that a bowler bowls, 24 bowls, right? Yeah. In, in T20, he will give you a good 15. But the, the rest He'll nine give, will, But the 15 are going to be so good. You're going to be like, what? I remember the over he bowled against Mohamed Hadis at the GT20 with Azam keeping. That was oh. made an over in the power play. Bro. But he, Usman Bro. has moments. We need consistency. Like, I get that there's moments with Usman Ghadir, but I just, it does not cut it for me. Sure. Yeah. So, back to what I was saying, it's too late. Like, Abrar Ahmed was first picked in the team last year when England was in Pakistan for the 7 T20 series before the World Cup. Um, that was a perfect time to test him out. You know, it was like a year in advance for the World Cup. And he's, he brings something different to the team. Like we see him in the test squad and he is something different than a Yasser Shah or a Noman Ali. He's a mystery spinner. And I think that's where Pakistan, I think, is missing the trick. Rather than playing two leg spinners, if you have maybe Shadab and Abrar, if it's a turning track, you can, you can even play Nawaz, Shadab, and Abrar. Again, it's a hypothetical scenario. It's too late now because Abrar is not even in the squad. But that may have been a better option, I think. But I would still pick Nawaz or Abrar. Nawaz just gives you a depth in the batting that Pakistan has not seen in a very long time, bro. Pakistan, I kid you not, bat till number 10. But, if but you take Naseem Shah, Nawaz's average batting in is inconsistent. Like, you can't really rely on him. Shadab, I think, is a much more reliable batsman. And he's proving it day, day in and day out with these performances that he gave, like today's match. I would like to take you back to the second match against India in the Asia Cup last year. Where okay, he what, 42 has, off 19. what has he done after that? I mean, that was this last year. 
Like, what do but you want? He's, played, he's, he's been a consistent part of the team since then. And he hasn't shown really any other notable performance. Like, he did finish one match in Bangladesh, I remember. Um, that was last year, actually. So, again, not as consistent as I would like him to be. He, again, has moments with the bat. But I think I would still trust in his batting versus Osama Mir. Sure. All right, let's move on. I feel like we could, you could keep going on to this. Um, what else in the first innings uh, stood out to you apart from the Afghan batting and the, and the Pakistani bowling? Uh, the fact that Nassim Shah was the pick of the bowlers, he gave, uh, I think, 50 and 9 overs, economy of 4.5-ish. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but his economy was 5 around that. But he was the pick of the bowlers. Haris and uh, Shaheen struggled, clearly. Um, and then we had to get in some overs from Iftikhar, um, which is good to see because I think when Iftikhar is bowling or when Salman Ali Aga is bowling, that also adds a different depth to our batting, our bowling side. Because if Haris or Shaheen is not having a good day, Iftikhar or Salman can come in and bowl a few of their overs uh, just to give them that, you know, a room to breathe. Why don't you think Salman Ali Aga bowled today? I, I think between Salman Ali Aga and Iftikhar, Babar trusts Iftikhar's bowling a lot more. Um, even though I think in test matches, Salman Aliaga is probably our main fifth bowler. But just in these scenarios, I think Iftikhar has also really improved his bowling over the past few months. So, um, Also, I think Iftikhar has good variation. Like he bowls at a decent pace. He can light it up. He can bowl a straighter one. So He also has a fiver. He also has a fiver against uh, Zimbabwe. In, in but I just think like you could, you get Salman Aliaga to bowl a few, a couple, just to get that match practice in, you know? And if you're looking to experiment this series, why not do that by giving him some overs? Just to see what, what Salman Aliaga can do. Because we haven't really seen him step up in pressure matches. And, and in his defense, he hasn't really been put under pressure. Bowling-wise. Bowling, even batting-wise. Come on. In ODIs. Like, come on. He hasn't played. He had it. two opportunities. Like, last game and this game. He banked it. Exactly. So he's not performing under pressure. And we're having... And this is just a bilateral season against the Vines. No, but like, you're, he's getting opportunities to perform. He's just not... Pulling through. Yes. That's, that's and we happening. need him to pull through. 100%. Because I even have opinions on Pakistan's middle order. I feel let, like... Let, we'll get into the next we'll half. We'll get into it because I'm just um, really passionate about this. Uh, 227 was for one and I think 40 overs. That was when the first wicket fell for Afghanistan. And Pakistan sort of restricted them to 300. You pulled it back. Uh, I mean, you only gave 70 odd runs in the last 10 with nine wickets in hand. Uh, Afghanistan should have hit 320, 330, maybe 350 if they were really in it. But didn't seem to be eager to attack as, as well as we did. Plus, I feel like the spinners that came over in the last 10 overs, they sort of slowed things down for Afghanistan, which was sort of, I guess, the tactic that Babur had. Get the fast bowlers off in the first 15-20, and then let's let the spinners vibe till the end. Kind of worked out, eh? Absolutely, because, I mean, when you're told 227 for one, you have nine wickets in hand, you got overs left. I think at one point, they were even looking at like 330, 350, and for Pakistan to sort of bring the score down to 300 on that pitch because we saw when Pakistan was chasing like 300 was a lot of runs uh, even though they messed up the chase but we did a pretty good job like if this was 330, 340 um, we might have lost the game well in advance yeah so you gotta give your bowlers a credit there because I've been seeing a lot of people just generally like everything on the internet everything on the internet is generalization anyways so if Pakistan was bowling really well last game it was like everyone's a star and if Pakistan was bowling shitty today, everyone's shit. But that's not how it was. Like, there's nuances to this, right? I think, you know, as Pakistani fans, and this is particularly for Pakistani fans, we need to find a balance between, you know, making a player a hero and then criticizing the hell out of them the next day if they don't perform. We were just talking about, uh, just made a reel on Asim Khan talking about Shan Masood, how you were at the fifth ODI, Shan Masood walks in and everybody's screaming, Parchi, Parchi, 30,000 people. And Sean Masood was one of the highest uh, list day scorers, one of the highest list day centuries and averages for Pakistan. Um, you know, he scores 100 and everyone's like, Sean Masood is the GOAT, let's make him captain. His English is good. He's vice captain. He's vice captain. Mind you, he was vice captain in that series. And then he gets dropped and he's nowhere to be found. So I think there needs to be some sort of balance for fans and for the board. Let's not make players overnight heroes. Let's make them work for it. At the same time, if a hero like Babar Azam is not performing, let's back them. I know Babar scored a duck last game and everyone sort of, all the haters jumped out of their seats and they're like, look at this guy, not even scoring against Afghanistan. And if he scores, it's like, oh, it's just Afghanistan. 
So there's no way for Bauer to win here. Yeah, I just wanted to put go on the record and say I was not screaming Parchi um, in that game. ODI. I, just, I was hearing a lot of people do it. I, was, I wasn't personally speaking it. But yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with you. Um, there's just some people can't handle the pressure of being a the hero overnight or being disgraced overnight. Like both of those have their own weights. Um, but yeah, end of the first innings, 300 is on the board. Pakistan seem like they might be able to do it. They have a deep batting lineup, like I said, up until number 10. I would say up to number 11. How does Rove can swing some as well? Like we've seen him do that. So like 10, 11 can even come in and chip some. Um, so Pakistan seemed confident to do that. The openers gave come in. They give you a 52-run stand. Let's talk about Fucker for a second. 30 off some 30 balls or something like that? Yeah, 30 off 34. Still seems shaky for his 30. What's going on with them? You know, I think I really feel like, and I've noticed this with a lot of the players, I just don't think they're used to playing 50-year cricket. Because like, if you look at the players, more than half of our team is coming off from playing the GT20, the London Premier League, uh, the 100, the Vitality Blast. So many leagues are happening and, and Pakistani players are very sought after players in these leagues. And I just think uh, a lack of domestic list A cricket uh, is not giving them a chance to, um, uh, prefer, to, to play long-term cricket. So uh, this is the impact of T20s. Even our bowlers look tired because they're so used to bowling four overs, high intensity spells. For them to preserve their energy, to, to ball 10 long overs, to conserve their energy in each, every, each and every single spell. I think this series was was well scheduled because it would give us a chance to get get our bodies used to playing the 50 over format. Um, and I just think the reason why some players look rusty is because they're still getting used to and adapting the 50 over sport. I just think me as a fan, as a watcher, I am also getting used <coughs> to watching an eight hour game, um, like watching it here and there because it's it's really hard to sit down and watch all eight hours. People have lives; they're working; they have school. I mean, that's no. I mean, that's no argument for us because we work from home. We could literally take our laptop down in front of the TV, which I did, and just like vibe with the game as as you're working. So you could do that, and I and I love doing that. You know, there's this thing um on the internet called passive watching. I do that with cricket all the time. I'll put on a good you know 1999 game, Box versus India, 40 minutes of highlight on YouTube, play it in the background while I'm working. Just you know, pay attention to the highlights and and just have cricket around me. I do that. That's what people can do. Um. If, if that's something that people are struggling with attention span wise. Um, but that being said, I do agree with you. I feel like they're at least Fakhar definitely looked rusty. Um, he still looks rusty. The first game was horrible for him, but the second game was a little bit better, but still not the Fakhar that we used to see. His legs are still not moving as they used to, as quick as they were. But I don't know how that, how do you attribute T20 playing with that? Because you got to move your legs in T20 from the get-go. There's no time to like, adjust. Um, but just comparing openers, Imam is on a different vendetta. Like We heard his podcast on Daniel Sheikh's uh, platform. Great podcast, great podcast. Great podcast. Shout out to Daniel Sheikh. Man, um, just the stuff that he's going through personally in his life. You know, Just the nepotism bar that's been sticker that's been sort of stamped on him, on Azam Khan, etc., etc. They're, they're, they have to work triple hard to make half the, the res- to gain half the respect. And he's doing it, man. He's doing it. 450s in the last five innings. Um, just, just a solid opener. I, I think he's one of the greatest openers we've had in Pakistan. We've, we've talked about this before. His numbers don't lie. The greatest opener we've ever had is Say Denver. He has 18 centuries, I believe. 20. 20 centuries. The most for Pakistan and ODIs. And Imam has half, half of that already. And he's played 61. Imam has nine. Imam has 10. Nine. All right, fine. He, Imam has nine, almost half, but he's only played 61 ODIs. So yeah. where, he plays 300 ODIs. He doesn't, you know His what I mean? His innings per 100 ratio is insane. It's insane. And even better is the 50s. Like he's just, he's just consistent. You know you can bank on him. Um, the top three right now in for Pakistan are just amazing to see. And, you know, I do hope and I, I do believe that Fakhar will come around. He's just, you know, inch by inch, he's getting better. The third ODI might be a good, chance for him to get a 50 a 70 sort of solidify his place back into the top three yeah i was just hearing imam on the podcast and he he mentioned a really great point it's like because fakhar imam and Babar have been playing together for so long the top three has been the same i believe you know since 2018 so these guys have been playing together for the past uh five years together um uh, fakhar and imam used to open for hbl in first class so they've been playing for even uh, farther back um and imam mentioned that everybody has clear role definition 
there's clarity in the rules. Um, Imam knows what to do when Fakhar gets out and if he's playing with Babur. He knows what to do when Babur and Fakhar both get out, like how he needs to carry on in his innings. And they've played together long enough to have gone through each and every scenario um, where he's played that role. So just just a clear role definition can do wonders for uh, each and every single player. I think Imam, Fakhar, Babur, this is one of the best top threes. I, I, th- I even think Imam and Fakhar are our best openers since Amir Sohail and Sayyid Anbar. That's not a stretch. That's not a hot take. Yeah, they have the most runs for Pakistan as, as an opening pair. And Imam and Fakhar are second. Um, and I think they're so young, they can continue playing together. Um, so just seeing Imam fight it out first inning, first game, and this one as well. I'm really sad that he didn't get his 100 today. Even last game, he was looking very set. He sh- should have gone on and scored 100. And you want to take these opportunities and grab them with both hands and make the most of them because um, cricket's a funny sport. He's scoring 50s and 90s like today, but if he gets out for a zero or under 10 score, he needs those 100s to sort of make up for the lack of runs that he might have. Hopefully not. In the future, yeah. Another crazy stat was that... Um Babar and Imam have the most 100 partnerships. They just scored their 10th 100 in partnership. Yeah. In 33 innings yeah. together. That's yeah. crazy. One, one for every three innings that they played together, they scored 100 in the middle order. Like that's just, that's consistency, man. Also aside, I think they've also been run out many times together. Uh, I heard also Imam talk about that stat um, in the, the podcast. So it also Imam mentioned that he and Babur are friends since they were 15. Yeah. Like, Babur's dad used to drop him off at the practice, and it's the same thing that would happen with Imam's dad. And, and their dads became friends. The dads became friends. Like, it was so fitting. And he also mentioned that he's been playing under Babur's captaincy since the under 16, under 19, Pakistan A, now in the Pakistan team. And he's, he's sort of seen Babur emerge and evolve, evolve as a captain. Uh, because when you're younger, you're just young and you don't know much about captaincy. But now that Babur is old enough, he we're seeing and he's made a really incredible team. Um, his team is incredible. His captaincy is incredible. He changes the bowls at the bowlers at the right time. Like you know, we we didn't really talk about the first ODI much, which we will in the series breakdown in the next episode. But in the first ODI where he just made highest rule bowl six on the trot, that sealed the game, right? Like. He didn't bring back Shaheen. He didn't bring back anybody. He's like, Harris, you're going to give me six on the trot. And he did. 6.2, game's done. So, like, that's just awareness. That's five years of captaincy. That's, sorry, four years of captaincy. That's someone who's, who's built different now. He, he, he has sort of risen to the level of greatest of all time. He's, he's moved into his own skin very per- perfectly. And he's just comfortable as a captain. He knows that nobody's removing him. And he knows he's the greatest of all time. And that's just a wonderful sight to see for Babar. Um, and again, today he found his mojo again. He, he got out into, uh, on a duck last game. Today he go, comes out, he scores a good 53 off 66. A solid innings, looked a bit shaky, but he looked a lot better with spin. He was catching the Dustras. He First ball he plays with Mujib, cover drive for a classic Babur. Like he just comes in and announces himself. It was great to see that. I think Babur in touch is the greatest thing that he can offer to Pakistan cricket. Um, you know, um, even on 49, though, like credits to Rashid, he was just bowling bullets, man. He was just, you know, turning it both ways, turning it a mile. Um, Babur did not have the answer. But a good, a positive omen for Pakistan is how flawlessly Imam was playing spin, man. Oh, my God. When he had to rock back, he rocked back. There was one shot that he hit for Rashid for four. It was just a little bit short. So, and it was a googly, or maybe he broke. It was a Lexman, sorry. It came in. He rocked back. He hit that for four. I thought he was going to get caught out. Timed it perfectly. Placed it perfectly. I thought that, yeah. Imam, in his prime right now, at his peak, it's lovely to see. It is. And you have to also consider, this is a world-class Afghanistan balding attack. They have three of the best spins in the world, in, in Mujib Rahman, Nabi, and, and Rashid. I was watching uh, Mujib Rahman's first opening spell, Bro, this man was out swinging the ball with his fingers. Yeah. Like, and the ball was swinging like Bhuvneshwar Kumar or Jimmy Anderson would do it. So what is Mujib really? Like on paper? He's a, he's a finger spinner. He's sort of like an Achanta Mendes. But he balls quick. He balls quick. But and he, he balls stump well. to stump. Uh, he has, I guess, an outswinger. He has a finger ball that just turns away from right-hander. And he also has the googly 
that comes into the dry hydrator. So it's it's so tough to play because it's sort of similar to what Rashid does as well. Rashid balls at at a length where you can't go forward, you can't go back, sort of stuck, and then he spins it away and in in the same length. If it goes away, you could you could nick it out. If it comes back in, he targets the pads and the wicket. So it's just it's so tough to play. I mean, if you think about Bobber, he's one of the best players to spin, one of the best ODI players. Actually, wait, the best ODI player in the world right now. Um, and he's been playing against Rashid for the past four or five years, and he is still having troubles picking Rashid. That shows how world-class of a spinner Rashid is. Uh, we were talking to Azam about Rashid Khan, actually, and Azam mentioned that he has kept, kept wickets to Rashid, and he still cannot pick um, which one's going to go out, which one's going to come in. So uh, it just shows the class of Rashid. It also shows how good the Pakistani batsmen have been, in particular, Mom, if you're scoring like 91 and 61, um, and back-to-back innings against that quality of an attack. Um, it just shows how comfortable you are against playing spin uh, and how much he's worked on his game um, to combat such high-class bowlers. The best thing I loved about Babar and, and Imam's partnership was the way that they picked out singles. Man, I just love that. You can, there's a question about Afghanistan's captaincy and should, should they have allowed the singles? Maybe they should have, have kept another fingle, f- fielder inside the circle. You can go on and on about that. But the fact of the matter is that Pakistan just was great with singles in the middle. Like they were hitting those three or, three or four runs that they needed in the middle and then the odd boundary or two um, as they came. So I love that, you know, as I get older and I start playing more cricket, I've come in situations when I'm playing T20 cricket or T30 cricket where I'm just like, it's 12 for three and it's the fourth over. So you got to know how to build that innings from there to like, if you want to go to 150, 180. Um, I just loved seeing that because you learn from those stu- that stuff when you're watching it live and you're seeing the greats do it. So, you know, kudos to them. And then Baba gets out on a peach of a delivery. And then what? And then Rizwan comes in. Rizwan is batting at four. We're sort of pushing Rizwan to take that number four spot. I'm not sure if that's what his main spot is. I haven't, I haven't seen his listed record to see exactly where he's been batting. Um, but he had, he's had some good performances at number four hasn't really clicked as what we expect from a number four batsman in ODIs. Um, unlucky to get Renat today. Uh, he got out for 12. Um, and we saw Salman Ali Aga come in. Salman Ali Aga looked really shaky in the beginning. Then he scores. Are you sure he got out for 12 and not two? Uh, I'm pretty sure. It was. Just double check that for me because I, I feel like there he, wasn't, he was there for like a, an over or two and then he got run out. I don't think it was 12. I think it was two. I think Salman Ali Aga stayed until double digits. I don't think Rizwan went. You're right. Yes. Right? It, it was two, my bad. Uh, two for seven, right? Two. Two off uh, seven, correct. Yeah, and then bro. He got it was up. crazy because Rizwan is not, has not been clicking for a while in the middle order there. Actually, he has been. His stats, if you look at his stats, the average of his stock rate has been pretty good. But it's just, I, th- I guess we expect more from him. And also the number four spot is, is a very critical spot. Um, in an ODI batting lineup, we've had players like Mohammad Yusuf play there for a very long time for Pakistan, one of the most uh, prolific run scorers for Pakistan in ODIs um, after Inzimam. Um, so, so I think Rizwan, I hope he comes back well in the next match uh, because we're going to really need him to step up in the next, the coming tournaments like the Asia Cup and the World Cup. Um, but yeah, Rizwan gets run out. There was sort of a, I'm not sure if Imam is the best runner. Because he's been, he's gotten Babar out many times. He's gotten himself out many times. And then this time it was Rizwan. They sort of had a moment of hesitation where Rizwan was like stopping and running and then stopping again. And then he went for the run. And then he was just too late because it was also a direct hit. So those few inches here and there cost him his wicket. I think this was truly Rizwan's fault the way he got run out. I mean, you know, in defense of Imam. I think Imam made a good call and he was, and it was Imam's call. And he was out. Like he was, he darted. He was out of there because Imam had already covered ground. He was already on the halfway, like, you know, way ahead of the good length. He was on halfway of the pitch and he, he nudged it to his thing. Well, he's like, I'm out. We got to make this run. He's already called it. Rizwan was the one who hesitated and he, he got out. Even if it wasn't a direct hit, I don't think Rizwan would have, say, would have made it himself. Um, at the end of the day, it's, however, the way his dismissal was, the scoreboard says two for seven for Rizwan. And that's, that's, you know, shocking and upsetting as well, and a little bit alarming 
if you're a Pakistani fan, because, you know, that number four spot is very, very important. If you get back-to-back wickets, because losing, because what's going to happen? Okay, so you have openers, right? One of the openers is out. Let's say Fakhar is out. So now you have Babur and Fakhar playing. Let's say if one of those two gets out, that's one of the, the best batsmen you have in Pakistan cricket team. One of those two. You lose a Babur, you lose a Fakhar, you lose a Babur, you lose an Imam, and then you suddenly lose a Rizwan as well. Those are back-to-back wickets. And the effect of losing a set Babur or a set Imam and then immediately a Rizwan you can see in back-to-back ODIs how that what that does to the box on the middle order. The lower middle order, the lower middle order has to come up and save the middle order because they just look in shambles. I agree. I think uh, Pakistan's middle order needs to step up. I feel like we've been talking about this for way too long because it was the issue back in T20s. Um, but luckily in the World Cup, if the heart turned up, Sean Masood turned up, um, and actually we were having a top order issue. <laughs> That's when true. We were in the tournament, so. <laughs> Yeah, I have high hopes from from Rizwan, and I'm sure he's going to come back. He's a fighter, um, and he, and he's not going to go down without putting up a good performance. Um, so so Rizwan gets out. Salman Alial comes in. He looks a bit shaky in the beginning. Gets back to back boundaries. Um, gets dropped at um, fine, leg, fine leg. And stupid shot, by the way. Stupid shot. He gets a chance. Does not make the most of a chance. Um, gets out playing a reverse sweep. You know, when you get the reverse sweep right, it's like, oh, incredible shot. He's so smart, executed, gets it perfectly. But when you don't get it wrong, when you, you, don't, you don't get it right, there's a lot of criticism. You're like, oh, why was, it, was that shot necessary? Look at the moment, look at the match, look at the run rate. Did you really need to do that? Uh, but Salman Aliaga, I think that is his role in the team. Like he's in the middle order to take on the spinners, to use his feet, to play those unorthodox sweep shots, reverse sweeps. Um, so he got out playing that shot. The most shocking thing happens, Osama Amir walks in ahead of <laughs> Iftikhar Ahmed. This pisses me off because Iftikhar's performances in List A in Pakistan domestic cricket have been at number four. He has a 50-plus average, 90-plus strike rate, batting at number four. So on the scorecard, he's already at number six, which is way below what he's used to playing. Iftikhar is so good that he is still performing very well as a finisher for Pakistan. But here you're demoting him further down and Osama Amir is batting ahead of him. I, I don't know what the thinking there is. I think it's because they want to try Osama Amir as a pinch hitter. But I just think you've got to respect Iftikhar here. We made the same mistake in one of the T20s in, against New Zealand, if you recall. We sent Shadab ahead of him, Nawaz, Imad, Shaheen, and Iftikhar's coming at number eight. And then he scores that crazy 50 or something with, with the... With you're talking about the fifth ODI, where he scored 94? Uh, no, it was one of the T20s. It, he almost won the match. Uh, he had a solid partnership with uh, Fahim Ashraf. It was in Lahore. And yeah. and he just went berserk. Something similar happened in the fifth ODI as well. He came in quite late and then he was standing alone. Yeah, because if you, you got to understand Tahar's game. He comes in, he takes a few balls to settle in, gets his, gets his eye in, and then he goes crazy. You can't just expect him or for, for that matter, any batter, just walk in and start smacking success. Not it's everyone tried that for you, bro. It's just not possible, bro. It's not humanly possible. So uh, shocking to see Osama Amir come in, but I, I guess the intent from him was clear. He tried to slog over mid-wicket um, second ball, I think. Gets caught out. Um, and then if the car comes in, he tries to build a partnership with Shalab Khan. Um, and then eventually when it's time to, again, take the boundaries, take the risk, because uh, the required run rate was kept climbing each and every single over. Rashid's balling, Majib's balling. There's just no let up there. Yeah, there's, there's no, there's no opportunity to, to, to attack. Um, and then there came a point where the run rate was like 10-11 per over. And Iftikhar went for that, you know, heave deep. He, he goes deep in the crease. He heaves it over, gets caught out. And I think it's, that, it's at that moment where Shadab realizes that this pitch is not for slogs. It's not to clear the boundary because the boundary is pretty big. I, I heard 88 meters. Was it's like around 80 meters, yeah. So Shadab uses all of his experience. He's just 24, but uh, again, uses all of his experiences um, to take singles and doubles, to hit the ball in the boundary, to the boundary fielders. Uh, taking triples, bro. Taking triples. I mean, Man is running hard. Running on the throw and taking on, you know, fielders like Nabi and Rashid, one of the best fielders in the world. I also saw him get frustrated a few times when his partners, be it Iftikhar or, you know, uh, somebody else, Nasim, was denying him the second or third. He was just like, bro, it's, we can make it. We can make it. So it's nice to see that. Yeah. And then uh, Shaheen gets out. Uh, slogging. I think, I think Shaheen was the one t- trying to take the risk. 
uh, gets out against logging, which is another indication to, sh- to shut up on. Don't slog right now. Take the game deeper and deeper and deeper. Uh, and just wait for that one over where you'll get an opportunity to score big because ultimately, despite Afghanistan having top world-class spinners, their fast bowling is still weak. Fazal Farouki is a great new ball bowler, but towards the death we've seen in the past that he struggles. Um, there was this other baller called Rahman, also inexperienced. I think he gave 10 runs just on wides and boundaries. Yeah, so, he had two five, five wides. Exactly. So that just shows that he can get his line right. Uh, he's under pressure. And I think that's the over where Shadab targeted. Um, scores a boundary, scores a six, which is it controversial. A four, a six. Yes, it was the last ball of the over. He scored a six. It was back to the hands floor ball. I saw the replay. I saw pictures. I saw photos. That was a clear no ball. I saw it immediately when he made contact. Um, what's disappointing is that if this had been Virat Kohli, and if he had signaled the umpire for a no ball, it would have just been given. But Which because, exactly happened. But this because happened. it was Shadab Khan, the umpires didn't even take a chance to use the third umpire, to use all the technology we have to even review if it was a no ball or not. I want to stop you right there. This is a genuine question. If I am Shadab Khan and I see that and I know it's above where he's tired because I know where I hit it, do I protest on the pitch and just say like, I'm not playing the next game, next ball until you review this? Can I go upstairs DRS style and be like, this is a no ball. This is a current situation. It's the 49th over last ball of that. This being a no ball changes the last over of this game. You have to double check this. I don't think you can. I think you can only review dismissals if you're given out of any of that sort. It's ultimately up to the leg umpire, on-field umpire, to use the technology that he has, to use the third umpire upstairs to double check if it's a no ball or not. Um, How do I protest this if I'm, a, if I'm a player? I don't know. I don't think you can. Like You can probably talk to the, to the match referee after the match. But once you're in the moment, you can't do much. You just got to play by whatever the decision is given. Um, and, and just in general, the umpiring standard in this series so far, just the two matches, has been horrible. Uh, same match I saw Imam Haq smash the ball, gets inside edge, and the umpire gives it out. He reviews it immediately, and you can see that the ball, he smashes the ball. There's a deviation. There's a large noise. The umpires have surprisingly just missed it. Um, it is an Afghanistan home series, so the umpires are also picked by them. Uh, I thought so, it was neutral all the time. I don't know. I think it's because they're like, okay, we have DRS, so even if it is biased, the players can review it. But that's you not, can review no ball. That's not a excuse to have bad umpires. Like, you know, this is an, an ICC standard international game. Like, you need to have the best umpires that you that you can. Um, but I agree with you. That was just an abhorrent call or abhorrent non-call, I should say. Um, interestingly enough. Didn't make much of a difference because we're finally getting to the point of the podcast and after 41 minutes. Um, the, 40, the 50th over starts and Fazlul Haq Faruqi takes his run up. He runs in. Yeah. Actually, just before that, uh, I heard the commentator talk about that this, the, the Afghanistan team had a huddle in the middle. Yeah. And there was a big conversation. We, did, we don't know what it was until that first ball happened and watch continue. Yeah, the first ball happens. There's a huddle before the ball. A good five minutes. Like everyone's there. And the master plan that they come up with is, yo, I think Shadab is, you know, going to screech out of his crease. It's man him. Now, my Indian friends online do not like that word. I'm going to use that word. That's exactly what it is. It's, it's a man cad. The, 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 the discourse online was, it's just run out. It goes as a run out on the scorecard, scorecard, whatever. It's a man cad. Fazlulak Faruqi has a brilliant idea of man-catting Trip uh, Shadab as he's trying to steal a few inches. And he gets run out. The audacity of this man, though, is that he doesn't even complete his action. So the umpires don't even see that, right? He just jumps in and boom, run out. Um, the ball, ball isn't even raised over his head. A lot of question marks to that. We'll let it pass. The... Sort of austerity that I like about Shadab is that once he keeps running and he hears the bills go off and he just keeps running off. He's like, I know what this is. This is a desperate attempt to win a match at all costs. Right? This is an attempt to forsake the spirit of the game and just go for the result of the game. Right? We, we hear about this a lot. This entire summer we've been hearing about spirit of the game, spirit of the game, spirit of the game. 
And I know a lot of people, the critics will go ahead and be like, this isn't the laws. This, this is a rule of the game. Fine. Change the damn rule. It's a stupid rule. It doesn't make sense. A batter can't steal a few inches and without a ball being bowled, somebody can get out. This is the game of cricket. Without a ball being bowled, a batter can get out. Really? Like, there is a committee that the MCC is there. There's, there are a few rules that are questionable to me. This is on the, on the top of that list. You know, we hear a lot of people defending it. Oh, you know what? This is a tough, uh, the, the ODIs, the, the modern day cricket is tough on boulders. They should have an edge like this. Give him a warning. There, uh, I think I was listening to Aslan, CBA. He was talking about doxing runs. I'm, 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 in, I'm in favor of that, you know? Because let's say a fielder hits a ball on a helmet or hat, something of that nature. You, the batting, batting side get five runs. Why can't it be the opposite? You know, you give first one as a warning, second one as doxing of five runs. Like there should be other ways to um, sort of maneuver this act of cricket, but having the batter run out without playing a ball or run out without the ball even being bowled is just abhorrent. It's weird. It's awkward. It leads to situations like this. There's bitter tastes of in in the batter's mouth, and and both the opponents just have a new um, sort of vigor against each other because it's just it if something just feels illegal it probably is that's just my take on this the whole man cat situation what about you i'm totally on board with you here i think um the cpl just introduced yellow cards and red cards in the tournament we can use the same thing in international matches if you see a batsman maybe like you know uh trying to steal a few inches give him the yellow card Next time it happens, give him a red card, retire him out, dock runs, give a penalty. But this is not the way to win matches because you look at where and when it happened in the circumstances of the match. Like you mentioned, a desperate attempt to get Shadab out. Um, and like, Because nothing else I, is working. Again, like you mentioned, it, it, it leaves a bitter taste in, in the mouth. And I can't imagine how Shadab must have been feeling because he scored 48 runs really built his innings, ran hard between the wickets, you know, gave everything he had, every sweat, blood that he had for the first country and for his innings to finish in that manner. I, I was just furious when it happened, called me old school, but again, I, I don't like the rule. I don't like when teams are using the rule. Um, so th there has to be some sort of revision. I, I understand it's also not fair for the batsman to run halfway through before the ball is bowled. Uh, but there has to be better controls over how and when the rule is implemented, when it is being reviewed. Um, so it, it, it was just, it was, it was, it was pity. It was pity. Yeah. And uh, Shalab goes out. It was a low blow. It was, it was below the belt. It was below the belt. hundred percent. And Shalab goes out and he's just like, he's just walking off. And at that point, we're just like, I was angry. I was genuinely angry. And now I'm like sitting here thinking like, yo, how must Nassim have felt? Because he sees this happen. He has the best view. He has a better view than the Empire does. Seeing everything that has transpired, man, it just clicks something in him. He's got that dog in him, bro. It just like something happens to him in that moment. When it's the last over, when 11 is the bowling. When Farooqi's bowling. It's just, it's just, he goes into Wolverine mode and... I thought the first time he did it was just pure aggression. It's not. Even I, I have a whole different perspective on Nasim Shah, the batsman against Afghanistan. It's calculated. Because he also scored 17 in the first match. It, exactly what I was saying. It's calculated. It's, it's built up. It's maneuvered. It's, there are tactics in play. This is not just pure aggression. It's not just raw emotion. There are levels to this. It's not a fluke either. It's not a, yeah, it's not a fluke. You know, people said the first two balls that he hit for six in the last over in the Asia Cup, fluke. You, you think it's a fluke? Watch the series. Tell me it's a fluke again. It's not. This man hits a Faruqi for four over cover, takes a single. Now, this is, I think, the most important part of the game is when Haris is like, it's my, it's my turn. Yeah. You know, he, he's, his wife is his lucky charm. He goes for it. And I think more importantly, I, I'm glad the ball does not hit a boundary. I think the three was what was needed. And, and look at how the three happened. Uh, the, the ball sort of, it was in the air, it lands, it and turns. the ball turns, and yeah. the fielder 
misjudges it. It almost goes for a boundary. And luckily, they have the presence of mind to run three runs. Nassim back on strike. And then, and then you know what happens next, man. A good length ball moves away. He swings the kitchen sink at it. Top edge. Third man You know forward. what that reminded me of? I just... Oh, man. I, I watched the, the, the replay of that shot. Do you remember the 2012 game Pakistan versus South Africa at the World Cup? This is the game where Umar Gul went berserk and we needed 9 off 5 in the last over. Umar Akmal hits uh, Morni Morkel for a 6. Ajmal is on strike and Ajmal again does the same thing. He tries to take a single. He nicks it off. Four on third man and it is absolute emotions. And I don't think I've ever felt this way since that Asia Cup game. Because ultimately, if you're looking at it, the last three to four overs, Pakistan is out of the match, bro. Yeah. The run rate is like 12, 13, 13. 14. We're not getting boundaries, singles and doubles. We're, we're down like three, seven, eight wickets. And to then come back and win it from there, I think that's what the emotion that the Pakistan team gives you. There's no high. There's no drug that can match what the Pakistan cricket team can make you feel in those moments. You know, it's tough being a Pakistani fan, but it's on days like this, for moments like this, where I would not trade it for the world. 100%. 100%. Um, You could see the emotions right on Nassim's face as he did his um, almost famous, at this point, celebratory run, his victory lap. Nobody can chase him. Like, highest row was the fastest bowler in the world. He's like, he's miles behind him. And it just shows you what this win means to him because you you go against one of us you go against all of us it's, it's a pack mentality it's a wolf mentality and there's nothing better than that last time last time that happened they went against asif ali nasim shah went berserk this time they went against shadab nasim shah went berserk i just i just love it i think nasim the batsman appeals to me more than nasim the bowler does at times and nasim the bowler is lethal boy Nothing's the is lethal. And he's just 20 years old. It's, just, it's so hardening. Um, the great Imran Khan, former captain, prime minister, said that if you want to look at a team's depth, a team's fighting spirit, look at how the tail bats. And Pakistan's tail is out there fighting it out, facing ballers at 140 kph without the fear of being hit. Um, and, and they're contributing crucial runs for, for the Pakistan team. I wanted to bring up a very funny thing that I noticed after Nassim hit that shot. Um, so he, he, he hits that shot. He's, he runs backwards to the dressing room. Harris Rope was trying to catch him. He throws his bat, throws his gloves, throws his helmet. Mohammed Lutheen Jr. and Mohammed Harris run towards him. They grab him. They hug him. And it takes me back to the story that Mohammed Harris told on the podcast where Mohammed Harris was going for dinner with Nassim and Masim. Nobody knew him. He was the guy giving the orders. Haris and Nassim, uh, sorry, Wasim and Nassim were taking selfies with everybody. It was only until that game against South Africa where everybody got to know Haris. And then he was like, you guys go in order. Yeah. <laughs> I think after tonight's match, Wasim and Haris were ordering. Nassim was eating. Yeah. Nassim was eating up. taking selfies. <laughs> yep. They're the ones putting the order. <laughs> yeah, that's a good catch, man. I, yo, Nassim and Haris, oh, Wasim and Haris were like, quick to get on that field i think because they were like the 13th and 14th uh, 12th yeah. and 13th men um so they were already already on the ground but man that was a quick run to the pitch eh for vasim and haris beautiful to see um also that that sort of core patan sort of vibe in, in the team i love to see that they're so unified uh, under the green it it looks beautiful to see and i think i tweeted this out with the backward point uh twitter as well you guys can follow that if you got if you if you like um, I said, if Shadab shakes Faruqi's hand, he's a bigger man than I am because I wouldn't, because that's shameful what he did. And sometimes you need those moments to trigger moments like this. So, you know, all is well that ends well. I think Pakistan, a lot to learn from this series. Last game left, um, which I was going to just quickly talk about. I think they're going to make that final change. They're going to get Osama out and they're going to put Nawaz in and finally see the 11. That, that should be the 11. Um, there's still a moment what I would do is take Osama and um, Aga out and replace it with Nawaz and Haris and see what happens I think that's a, that's a that would be a welcome change because I still feel like 
I don't know why they made so many changes. Like, why did they tell Shaquille? Why did they have to give Tahir? Why did they have to fight Mashraf? If you're not going to give them a game in this series. You think it's just for experience? Exposure? If they have Tahir as a kid. Like, I don't know. I don't know what it was for. It doesn't make sense. Just pick the 15-man squad for the World Cup and announce it. You know, I Pakistan's middle order and lower middle order is lacking that finisher, that aggressive batsman. And for some reason, the I Muhammad think... Harris. Khush Dilshah. We, we, we needed this guy. He, he scored a couple of really match-winning, match-finishing knocks in the past against Australia and West Indies. He is somehow where, just out, out of the blue, been taken out. I think if, if Tahar was... out of the blue. It was consistently... If, if, if Tahar bats at five and Khusl bats at number six, he is not only a lefty, also a power hitter, also plays spin pretty well, also can finish matches. And that gives an opportunity for Tahar to bat higher, for Khusl to come in as left-hander, I think Pakistan is really missing the trick by not having a lefty batsman in their middle order. Because a lot of these teams in the World Cup, you're, you're going to see have leg spinners, left arm spinners. The balls turning away is always tougher than the ball turning in. So I would have loved to see ideally in an ideal world, Haris Suhail fit, ready, in form in the middle order batting at five. Um, but if that's not the case, I don't know why you're even saying this, but it's too late now. They've announced the squad for the Asia Cup. I would have still loved to see some some lefty, maybe Saud Shaquille. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just I'm just thinking out loud. I think I I honestly think Saud Shaquille and Tayyip Tahir are there for the vibes. I'm being honest. Like I don't think they're gonna get a game. The eleven is locked. The the twelve and thirteen that you move around with is Usama Mir and Haris. That's it. And and you make a decision. You're like, do I want to go with a pinch hitter who can give me a good 30, 35 off of ten fifteen, like Haris can, or do I want someone solid? Like a Salman Liaga who can give me a 40 or 45. That's just the question you make. You, that's just the question you have. And you answer it with these two people. And same thing with Osama. Osama Mir doesn't even play the 11 because Nawaz is definitely in the 11. There's no doubt about it. He's, he's, he's a left arm, right? Yeah. The left armor, he bats. He can, he can give you a good 20, 30 in the middle. Maybe more even if you give him time. He can give you a good five, six overs in the middle of the innings when you're bowling. It's a no-brainer. He's a good fielder. He's a, he's a gun fielder. I mean, what it's about, just like, what about uh, you just, I, in my opinion, you play your 11 in the last game and you crush Afghanistan and you come home 3-0. Well, not home, but you go to the next series, 3-0. As, you know, it's a different vibe. It's a different vibe when you're the number one ODI team going to play the Asia Cup. Yeah. The number one ODI team going to play the World Cup. And that's why this match was so important because if they had lost this match, it's not only you, you lose chances of, of being number one. But it's also 1-1. It's a lot more pressure on the final match. Um, Which I guess some said would, would have been better because the final match against Afghanistan, a series deciding match, is kind of like playing a semifinal, a playoff game in the Asia Cup or the World Cup. So the, the, the gentlemen would have had a lot more experience. Sure, the la- third game is going to be kind of a dead rubber. Um, doesn't really matter. You know, if you slog, if you don't slog, if you make 100, if you don't make 100, it's whatever. So I get that criticism as well, but I'd take the win today over anything. Yeah. Yeah. Great match. But we're hitting an hour, by the way. Yeah. Great vibes. This was supposed to be a quick 20 minutes yeah. uh, discussion of the of what happened. But um, yeah, let's let's end this here. Yeah. We'll be back in a couple of days when the series finishes. Um, series review coming up. Asia Cup preview coming up. The next few weeks, super busy. Um, stay tuned. Backward point. We'll be here. This is Bashar signing out. And with me, my brother. Gosayed is also signing out, guys. Have fun. Relax. Chill, don't be racist on Twitter, and just enjoy the highlights, man. They're going to be amazing. Cheers. Cheers.